was at a Grace Conference, never had heard it before, and, and just hearing it now again, it still rings so sweet and so true. We who believe are only sinners saved by grace. What a wonderful song. It just exalts the grace of God in Christ. Turn, if you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Today's message is called Paul's, or Paul's Seven Desires, or it could just be called Seven Desires of Paul. He had many other desires probably from Scripture based, but these are seven, seven desires of Paul that we'll look at through Scripture, and I, I think that we'll see that these are our desires too, we who believe. And all these desires are centered around Christ. They're all centered around Christ. And it's, it's not surprising that they're centered around Christ because, because for Paul, all he wanted to do was preach Christ. That was his object. He says, we preach Christ crucified and not ourselves. He, he proclaimed Christ. And I know it's so for us too, and I imagine it was so for Paul. The more we learn of Christ, what happens? The more we desire to learn of Christ. We want to learn more and more and more about Jesus, don't we? We do. We just desire to know about him. And we know that we can't learn unless he illuminates the scriptures and, and reveals Christ to us, the Holy Spirit. So that's our prayer too, even when we're reading scriptures. Please, Lord, hold, the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures because we know he won't speak of himself. He'll point us to Christ. That's what scripture declares. And so we who, who believe have much, much more than we ever deserve in Christ. Think of that. We have much, much more than we ever deserve in him. Because we, we know from Ephesians, all spiritual blessings are in Christ. And we saw this morning that all the fulfillment of the Old Testament types and sacrifices are in Christ. He's grace and truth. He's, he's everything to the believer. And we have all these spiritual blessings, more than we ever deserve, in, but yet we're still needy. Aren't we? We're still needy. We need strength for every day. I do. I do. I need new strength. I need grace every day, strength every day to make it through the various situations that, that pop up in my life. And I always have to remind myself that when things pop up in my life, they never caught God by surprise. They sure catch me by surprise, but they never catch Him by surprise, don't they? No, never. And so we're needy. We're needy creatures. We really are. And I'd like us to consider today in Philippians seven things that Paul desired. And again, they're all centered around Christ. And, and may we who believe learn from these, these desires that Paul had. And I think that we'll see that there are desires too. They're all named in the epistle to the, Philipp- to, to the, in the epistle to the Philippians. And Lord willing, if the Holy Spirit be pleased to teach us, we'll learn from these. Now let us, as we look at these, compare our desires with His. And may the Holy Spirit bless our, our brief subject on this, or study on this subject. Now the first of Paul's desires I'd like us to look at is found in chapter 3, verse 10 of Philippians. Paul desires to know Christ. Look at Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Now Christ had appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. Christ had revealed himself to Paul. And Christ was the one that Paul constantly preached. And Christ was the object of his trust, the subject of his ministry, and Christ was the joy of his heart. But he knew that there was much in Christ that he was not acquainted with. He knew, but in part. And that's how we know here. We only know in part. We see through a glass darkly. We only know what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. And we rejoice when we're reading the Scripture and Christ is revealed to us and we never saw him there before. And it just fills our hearts full of joy. So Paul knew in part, but he desired to know more of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, to know more of his person, to know more of the riches of his grace, to know more of the magnificence of his word, to know more of the excellency of his natures, of his, and, the, and to know more of the majesty of his kingdoms. Everything about Christ interested Paul. He desired to know more, that I may know him. Creation was good, but to him grace was better and Christ was best of all. He was never wearied of thinking of Christ or speaking of Christ or, or learning of Christ, right? That was his desire. And we see that through his letters, don't we? We see that. And do we not see that in ourselves too? Now I know we're sinners and I know we, we, we don't always think of Christ. I know that. But for the believer, he is the object of our faith and we do desire to know more about him. And desire is often the effect of knowledge. The more we learn, the more we want to learn. <laughs> it often happens that way. And it's so when, when God the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to the, to the sinner, and we're, we're saved sinners now, but we desire to learn more and more about Christ, more about Him. That's why we come to gather together, to hear the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, praying that God the Holy Spirit would give us strength and grace through the preaching of his word to make it through the next week. But we also come here to learn about Christ, don't we? To learn more about him. So desire is often the effect of knowledge, and it is the very soul of prayer. And, and as we think upon he who is the lover of our soul, we cry out to him, don't we? The more we learn about him, from scriptures, the more we know him, the more we cry out to him. Because he continuously is teaching us that he is the all-sufficient Savior, that he is the king of the universe, that he is the sovereign God. And we cry out to him. We know we can cry out to him about everything. Nothing's too small to bring to the Lord. Nothing. And the more he reveals himself, the more we want to, the more we want to learn about him. And again, we have much more than we ever deserve in Christ. So Paul, he, he preached Christ constantly. And he desired to know him. An apostle from, the, from first to last after his conversion made Christ the whole of his salvation, right? 
He depended upon Christ for all his salvation. He, we saw that when Brother Tim read the Scriptures. that He counted his, his, his old life and his done. His supposed works of righteousness which he'd done, he counted them as nothing. Oh, and he constantly was focused upon Christ in his ministry, in all his labors. What did he do? He exalted Christ. He exalted Christ. In his preaching, Christ humbled the sinner as God the Holy Spirit moved upon sinners. Because salvation's of the Lord. In his preaching, in his preaching, he held up the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't he? Held him up as Jehovah's one salvation to all who believe. There's only hope in Christ. There's only hope in him. Now, how is it with you and me? Do we desire this too? Do we, do we desire to know him more? Of course we do. <laughs> we desire to know him. We desire to know more of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praying again that the Holy Spirit would, would make him known more to us. We desire to grow and to learn about Christ and his righteousness. So let us ponder the preciousness of this desire of Paul to know him to trust him, to be hidden away in him, a member of his body, as it were, losing ourselves in him. You ever get lost yourself in something you're doing? That's what we desire with Christ, just to lose ourselves in him. Let everything else just fade away. And that's what we do when we come here, don't we? This is an oasis for us. Let everything else just fade away and focus upon Christ Jesus our Lord to know him, to know him. Look at verse 8 of chapter 3. The second thing is that I may win Christ. Paul desired to win Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul's not speaking here of an interest in Christ because he's already born again. He already had that. That he might gain him. Several commentators said that he might gain him and be assured of an interest in him. That he might enjoy communion with him. The apostle desires that he may gain, and it ties in with the first point, a, a larger knowledge of Christ. And he cared not what pains it took for him to gain that. To win that. What expenses it cost or, or what loss he sustained. For, because he, he esteemed Christ more excellent than all other things. That I may win him. He desired to know more about Christ. And we saw that again in verse 10 of this chapter. And what we have gained in Christ makes us willing to part with all other things, doesn't it? That we may win him. That we may have a justifying righteousness, and we have that. That we have acceptance with God, peace, pardon, life, grace, and glory, all in Christ, in Christ alone. And we continue to learn more and more about him. And we desire to, to, to be with him. As you grow and learn about Christ, don't you desire to be with Him? 
That'll be one of the points we'll look at later. Oh. So think of this. The unwilling one, Paul, has been made willing. And now Christ is everything to him. He's everything to him. Was Christ to be run for? Then he would run. Was Christ to be wrestled for? Then he would wrestle. Were there any means by right which Christ could be obtained? And, and again, this is the gaining, this is, this is to be assured of an interest in him. He, he's already born again. Were there any means by which Christ could be obtained, however painful, however costly, however difficult, then Paul would, Paul would suffer through them. He desired to know Christ more and more. Did he crucify the old man and mortify the flesh and, and, and make bring his body into subjection to Christ? Yes. Why? That, that he might win Christ. He might win Christ. Did he, did he suffer the loss of all things? Yes, we saw that, didn't we? We saw that. Did he count them but dung and dross? Yes. Why? It was that he might win Christ. Now think of this. In his past, he had a very opportunity of advancement. And he's looking back upon his old life. He's looking back upon his old life. And he was a fine scholar. Now he was a fine scholar. In the eyes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, boy, he was, he was moving up. And he may have reached, some commentators say, he may have reached the pinnacle. He may have eventually became the high priest. No one knows. But he was definitely moving up in the religious circles. But he thought nothing of all that. After the Lord saved him, he thought nothing of all that. He counted it but dung and draw. And he declared this was his ambition, that I may win Christ. What a change had been wrought in Paul. He's a new creature in Christ. He has new desires now. And where do they find their centers? Where does Paul's new desire find their center? In Christ and in Christ alone. Is it so with you? It's so with us, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a miracle of grace. It's a miracle of grace. Oh my. Did he subject himself to stripes and imprisonment and hunger and cold and nakedness in a martyr's death? It was that he might win Christ. To possess Christ and to know more about him was, was his ruling desire. Paul has been taught by the Holy Spirit of God that to be righteous by faith is infinitely better than all the righteousness that supposedly come by works. Men try to weave their own code of righteousness by their works, by traditions, by ceremonies, and they're all filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. And Paul knew that the righteousness of Christ was far superior. <laughs> he knew because he lived that life of trying to gain merit and favor with God by his works. Oh, may this be our object to, to win Christ. To win Christ. To, to heaven magnified in our life, which is the next, turn if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. And we see Paul's, the third of Paul's desire 
is to magnify Christ. To magnify Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness is always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Paul desired to magnify Christ, beloved, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and, and to die is gain. Now Paul did not desire personal glory. He wasn't going around to all these churches trying to get a following. Not at all. He was preaching Christ. He wanted Christ to be magnified in his life. He wanted Christ to be magnified in his preaching. He wanted Christ to be magnified in everything. That's why we say, Lord, that you will receive all the glory, honor, and praise. The desire of this preacher, and I know of other grace preachers, is that God would be magnified, that he would be glorified, that you would see him through the preaching of his word. If my voice is the only voice you hear, you won't learn anything. He won't be taught. But oh, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you through his word and magnifies the word and illuminates the scriptures and points you to Christ, oh my, my. The preacher's desire is to magnify Christ. If he wrote, if Paul wrote, he wrote a Christ. When Paul spoke, he spoke of Christ. He wanted Christ to be magnified. If he suffered, and he did many times, didn't he? He suffered for Christ. He suffered. That Christ would be magnified. If he sorrowed, it was, it was because... If he sorrowed, it was because professors dishonored Christ. Christ was more precious to him than all things in heaven and earth. And he would live if he could honor Christ. And he would die for him. We see that in our text. Whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One commentator said he was inflamed with the love of Christ and his love towards him. He was so swept away with the love of Christ and that that love was centered to him. That came to him. He was so swept away with that. <laughs> oh my. See, I told you, his desires are our desires. <laughs> oh my, beloved. Oh, and he was willing to sacrifice all things for Christ. He was a vessel for his honor. He was a vessel of Christ, a vessel of honor. And he would go anywhere and preach and proclaim Christ that he might magnify him. And heartily he would say, let the name of Paul perish. One commentator brought this out. He said, Heartily he would say, let the name of Paul perish if the name of Christ be magnified. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase, but I must decrease. He must be magnified, and I must be abased. And that's what happens. That's what happens. And that happens in every believer's life. Right? Oh my. Let God be magnified. 
to Paul, Christ was in fact just what he wrote at Colossians. All in all. He was all to Paul in his life and he was all to Paul in his death. And Paul's desire is to magnify Christ Jesus the Lord. He preached Christ, preaching him in the transcendent glories of his person as the Son of God, in the riches of his grace as our mediator. In all his offices, he preached Christ as prophet, priest, and king. He magnified the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preached Christ particularly in the justification and salvation of men, where he made him to be all in all. He is all our righteousness. He is all our justification. He is all our sanctification. Christ is all to the believer. Do you see how Paul is seeking just to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ? He's our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? That we may glory in God. That we may glory in God. Oh my. And his desire again was not to have a following. His desire was to glorify and to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in his life, in his death, and in his preaching. And Christ was also magnified by Paul in his life and and in his conversation which was influenced by the grace of God in Christ. Now think, think of this, you who are redeemed. Think of how I, I don't, how we used to think, how we used to speak before the Lord saved us. And it's a shameful thing when I look back and see how I was. And I know I still struggle with sin even today. But my thoughts now are on someone who I never hardly ever even thought of. I didn't know him. My desires is to have him magnified now and proclaimed. One who I despised, and I despised his people at one time. Now I love them and I love him. How do you explain that by the new birth? You must be born again. It's a work of God. It's a creation of God. And so these new desires that we have, come from a new life which we have now in Christ Jesus our Lord. And now, the one who I wanted nothing to do with, now I want to magnify him. Is it so with you too? It's amazing. We want our family members. Brother Tim, praying for our family members. Amen. We, we desire them. We know that only God can reveal Christ, right? We know that, but we still desire to have them come to Christ. Don't ever stop praying for them until they breathe their last breath. There's hope until they breathe their last breath. Oh my. We desire to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because He died for us. He died for we who believe. In the preaching of Christ was the very end for which, which Paul himself laid down his life. So not only did he magnify Christ in his life, but he magnified Christ in his death. And oh, may it be our desire that we would magnify Christ. May the Holy Spirit make it so for us. And let our cry be, and our prayer be, oh, let Christ be magnified in me, by me and through me, in the time of our life, in the time of our death, forever. 
And think of this. The Lord will be magnified forever by the believer. We magnify Him in our life now that we're saved. We're magnifying Him in our death because He's the one we're going to rest in and trust in. And He's the one we'll be proclaiming if we can to our loved ones. And then we will magnify Him forever in glory. <laughs> we'll praise His mighty name forever. Forever. Oh my. The fourth thing I'd like us to look at, the fourth of Paul's desires, is found in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. It's to be found in Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. And to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus, Christ, faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now, Paul is not talking here about a mere profession. He's not talking here about a mere profession. But he's talking about one who is a possessor of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, in contrast to all the things that he had once at one time when he was a Pharisee, now he counts them all but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Trapp comments in this way, Paul's desire, therefore, is to be found in Christ at such a time as, he's, as he is sought for by the justice of God. He desires to be found in Christ at such a time as he is sought for by the justice of God. Now, it is there, beloved, that the law and justice of God finds no claim on the believer. Because we are in Christ, and Christ has satisfied the law and justice of God by his death for his people. Paul preached salvation in no other. Only in Christ, in Christ alone. He proclaimed salvation in no other. The same as the apostles proclaimed, that there was no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And look at the contrast found in this verse too. And, and to be found in him not having mine own righteousness. Now people in the world and people in religion, they have their own righteousness. That's what they're trusting in. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. We never see Paul mingling the law with the gospel. Paul had one subject, Christ. One subject, Christ, and Christ alone. He proclaimed salvation in no other. He said there's no salvation in any other but Christ. And we see that he expressly taught the Galatian church that if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain which we see in our text here, and to be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 2. Now we tie that in. We're tying Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, with Galatians chapter 2. And I'll read Philippians again. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now look at Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now right there, there are so many people out there that are trying to justify themselves by the law. But the scriptures declare, and they read the same Bible we do. 
But God has not revealed to them the precious truth that Christ has fulfilled the law for his people. Look at this. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of law. That means that a man cannot stand in the presence of God by the works of the law. By the works of, they cannot be justified by the works of the law. Galatians 2.16. But by the faith of Christ Jesus. There is how a man can be justified before God. Faith in Christ Jesus. To be found in him. To be found in Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Do you see? They don't mingle together. They do not mingle together. The law shows us our desperate need for Christ. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now that's plain. But if well we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. When Christ died upon the cross, we were in him. Remember, when Adam fell, we were in him. When the first Adam transgressed, we transgressed in him. Well, I'm crucified with Christ. When Christ died upon that cross, I was in him. That's what the scripture declares right there. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now every believer can look at that and go, my gosh. Christ gave himself for me. A sinner. Look at the next verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, if, if righteousness comes by your doing, if righteousness comes by something you've done, then Christ is dead in vain. That's quite the statement. So Paul, he preaches Christ. He preaches salvation wholly by the blood of the Lamb and justification solely in the in the righteousness of Christ. This is why Paul desired to be found in Christ, because there's no salvation outside of Christ. No salvation out of, outside of Christ. Only condemnation. And Paul desired to be found in Christ, and desired others to be found in Christ. Think of this. To be found in Christ is just as Noah was in the ark, safe from God's wrath. Remember, there's the shadow and Christ is the fulfillment. All who were in the ark were what? Safe from the wrath of God. All outside the ark perished. All who are in Christ are safe from the wrath of God to be found in Him. Oh my Oh my. And he knows that we are only accepted by God in Christ. Now think of this, another picture. A manslayer accidentally killed someone. 
And he's fleeing to that city of refuge. He's trying to get there. There's signposts all over and he's trying to run there as fast as he can. And behind him is the avenger of blood chasing after him. Oh, and the manslayer, he reaches the city of refuge. And he's inside the city of refuge. And the avenger of of, of blood cannot touch him. Christ is our city of refuge. The picture and type and the fulfillment in Christ. All to be found in Christ. And to be found in Christ is to be safe in the city of refuge. Christ who is our city of refuge. What a what a savior. Oh And Paul knows if he's to be justified, it is only by the righteousness of Christ. The one who died, the just one, the perfect one, the sinless one, for sinners, for unjust sinners, like me. In Paul, one commentator said this, and I had to bring this out. He said, Paul, he would have Paul to be nothing, but Christ to be all. All to be nothing, and Christ to be all. Now here are some things found in Christ. In Christ you will find God as your Father. In Christ you will meet all the saints as your brethren. And that's not just the saints we gather with here. (laughs) That's all the saints. All the elect of all the ages. All the blood-washed sinners are our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Christ, to be found in Christ, all the sins of the believer are forgiven. Now think of that. There is not one that wasn't paid for. They're all forgiven. In Christ, death has no sting. And the grave has no terrors. We simply lay down. Brother Donnie Bell called me about three minutes after Sister Mary died. And he said, well, she's woke up in glory. She's left the land of the dead and is now in the land of the living. Oh, to be found in Christ. To be found in Christ. In Christ, the law has no claims upon the believer. In Christ, the law has no claims upon the believer because Christ has satisfied the law of God in the believer's place. He is the complete Complete substitute. He has satisfied everything that God required for you and I, we who believe. And that's why Paul wrote and said we are complete in Christ. My, in Christ there's no threatenings in God's word against you. And in Christ all the promises are complete for you. For you. 
And this is the believer standing. We are in Christ. And this is, this is true Christianity. This is salvation, to be in Christ. It's not to be partially in Christ and partially in the law, or partially in the ordinances, or partially in the church, but it's to be saved wholly by Christ and Christ alone. To be in Christ. To be in Christ. And how glorious to be in Christ. We cry out with Paul about being found in Christ, and this is our desire, that I may be found in him, not having, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. The fifth of Paul's desires I'd like us to look at is found in chapter 3, verse 10, to be conformed to Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul's desire to know Christ, to win Christ, to gain more knowledge of Christ, and to magnify Christ, and to be found in Christ. And here he desires to be like Christ. He desires to be like Christ. May God give us grace to never take our eyes off Christ, and, and may, our, may Christ be our all-consuming object. My, the power of Christ's resurrection declares that I am justified. The power of Christ's resurrection gives me spiritual life. The power of Christ's resurrection guarantees my resurrection. And we want and desire to live every day walking in the knowledge of the power of his resurrection, don't we? The truth of this. And Paul desired that in walking with Christ in the newness of life, he wanted the power of his resurrection to dominate, control, and direct his life in all things. And that he might know that the sufferings of what he had to endure were nothing compared to what Christ endured to purchase his soul. He only wanted the glory in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the death of our perfect substitute. Galatians 6 says this, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We ought to just glory in Christ to him. And Paul desired to be, in, to be consecrated to the glory of God and to be submissive to the will of God and, in his life, to be motivated by nothing but the love of God for his people. And we see here Paul abandoning his own righteousness. We've seen that in the text we've looked at. He abandons his own righteousness, wholly trusting in Christ and Christ alone. And the power of grace is on display when God saves a man and transforms him and turns him into a trophy of His grace. God's power is on display and God's grace and mercy is on full display when He does this. What a Savior. What a Redeemer. Think of this. What a wonderful transformation we have before us and how unlike Saul of Tarsus is Paul. Saul of Tarsus the Pharisee was the persecutor of the church. The blasphemer of the Nazarene. He went about seeking to destroy the way. Blasphemy in the name of our God. And we, I know I did that one time too, to my shame. And once he saw no beauty in Christ. But now he sees nothing but beauty. He's been transformed by grace, beloved. He's been transformed by the grace of God in Christ. Once he could not bear the mention of the name of Christ, now it is the name above all names to him. 
Oh, the transformation of the grace of God in a believer. Once he was exceedingly mad against his people, against Christ's people, and now his heartfelt abiding cry is, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He wants to become like him in his death. The sixth desire I'd like us to look at is found in chapter 1, again, verse 23. And sixthly, Paul desires to be with Christ. Now, I know this is our desire as believers, too. We desire to be with our King, to be in His presence. Paul desired to be with the Lord. He loved God's people, and he loved to proclaim his Savior, but he desired to be with Christ, which, which he here proclaims is far better. Philippians 1, 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He loved, he, he loved the church universal, and he was blessed by, by preaching Christ and by studying and by his labors for the Lord. He, he learned and grew, and, and his desires for Christ grew, grew with his learning. And his heart, we see, is fixed upon the Lord. And he desires to be with the Lord. He desires to be with Christ. Forever. He desires to be in Christ's presence. He desires to be in the presence of he who has redeemed his soul. He who purchased his soul with his own precious blood. And he penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He desired to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, he was willing to lay down his life. To suffer loss, knowing that when he departed this world, he'd be with the Lord. He'd be with the Lord. To be with Christ to him was far better than, than this world and all its comforts and all its things. To be with the Lord was what he desired. To be with Christ was far better, far better than the world with all its privileges and all its pleasures. To be with Christ is what Paul desired and nothing could be compared with being with Christ. And remember, it seems like a long time when we're here, but it's just a vapor. Our life is just a vapor. Just a vapor. And think of this. Paul's desire is now realized. It's now realized. And we desire what he desires. And one day, our desire will be realized too. We who believe will be in the presence of our great God and King in glory, which is far better. Which is far better. The seventh and last desire which we will look at is found in chapter 1, verse 6. To rejoice in the day of Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was constantly looking forward to Christ's second coming and pointing believers to it. He expected great things then and therefore he longed for it and rejoiced in anticipation of it and prepared to enter 
into all its glories and joys. The day of Christ is that day specially set apart for His glory when He will appear in His own glory. The day of Jesus Christ is the day when He shall reveal Himself as He is. On that day, His greatness will be disclosed, will be revealed. And He will put down every rival power. And He will erect erect His throne as King of kings and Lord of all. He's already King of kings and Lord of lords, but it will be fully manifest on that great day. And Jesus is coming to be glorified in His saints. In Colossians 3, 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. So we have looked at seven of Paul's desires today. And no doubt he had others. He had others. But now he knows not in part. Now he's in the presence of the Lord. And he's no longer laboring and striving. But now he's at rest. He's at rest with his Lord in glory, with our Lord in glory. Christ is His in the highest and in the fullest and in the most glorious sense of the term. And if you know brethren and we all know brethren who have passed to the other side, boy, they are seeing the King, rejoicing, seeing Him in the fullest and in the highest sense. Paul has magnified Christ in his body, both in life and death, and now he magnifies Christ in glory. And so do our brothers and sisters who have went on before us. They are magnifying Christ in a way that they never could have before. And they are rejoicing around the throne of our great God and King. He is found in Christ, and death death found him in Christ, and now in He's in glory forever in the presence of the King. His desires have been fulfilled. His desires have been fulfilled. And He is with Christ forever. He's been conformed to His image. And He's in the presence of Christ forever. And Christ is all to the believer. We have seen that Paul begins with Christ and goes on with Christ and ends with Christ. Christ was Alpha, the beginning letter in the Greek alphabet. And Christ is Omega for Paul, the the ending letter in the Greek alphabet. And he's everything in between. He's all to Paul. He's everything to him. The grace of Christ converted him and the preaching of Christ was his calling. And it was the power of Christ which sustained him. And it was Christ who has now glorified him. It's all Him. It's all Him. His eyes by faith after His conversion were fixed upon Christ His Redeemer, His Savior and His Lord, His all in all, and now His faith has become sight and He beholds Christ in glory. Is Christ our Alpha and Omega? Is Christ our first and last? Is Christ and Christ alone the object of our faith? 
Is he our all in all? Oh, if, I, if he's not that to you, I pray that he would grant you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to rest in Christ, to trust him as your all in all. And if Christ is all these things to us, turn if you would to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, and we're closed with these. If Christ is all these things to us, then we can say with the hymn writer, it is well with my soul, can't we? We can say that. If Christ is everything to us, if he's our all in all, we can say confidently, not in anything in us, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And may God give us grace to walk in him with thanksgiving. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounded therein with thanksgiving. Oh, may we who believe glorify the Lord Jesus Christ more and more every day, knowing, knowing that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before thee. knowing that these desires that Paul had are, are the desires of we who believe, and knowing that there was a time when we never had any of these desires at all. You were not in our thoughts, except when we were in trouble. But, oh, Lord, the marvels of, of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, the marvels of the rebirth of being born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And you have given us a new heart which now hungers and thirsts after righteousness and which has Christ as the object of our faith. And our eyes, O Lord, are set upon thee. Help us, Lord. Give us grace and strength to make it through each week in the trials and tribulations which come our way. And one day we know soon we will see thee face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.